why we can you know uh, remember the words of apostle paul when he said that i know whom i have believed even as we sit here and i just remembered one incident happened a little time back maybe a couple of years i was in alabad and we were in a village and we had been talking to many people and then in the evening we came back home we were sitting this brother rajkumar he never tires of trying to do something more for the lord so two of his friends from old days were just going by and he called them and then he whispered to us brother in look uh, they'll be here for a couple of minutes uh, please talk to them so i said to the other brother i said brother you handle this i'm going to just sit back and relax i'm really tired today so they came and we started talking then one of them asked a question he said sir what is the difference it is it is easy for me to say it in hindi he said sir ek baat bataiye parmeshwar aur bhagwan mein kya antar hai do you get it what is the difference between the so called gods and god parmeshwar aur bhagwan mein kya antar hai so i looked very interestingly to my friend the other brother who was with me and i was wondering what he was going to say and he said both asan hai jo dikhta hai wo bhagwan hai jo andeka hai wo parmeshwar hai the one whom we see are the gods and the one whom we cannot see he is the god he said jisne insaan ko banaya wo parmeshwar hai jisko insaan ne banaya wo bhagwan hai i tell you there was a thrill there was something that went right deep in my heart i was so glad that such a clear definition can be given what is the difference between bhagwan and parmeshwar and unless and until we have this clear thing impressed on our hearts we will never be able to do anything for god so that was that's a wonderful song but that it but let that be a practice of our day to day life we cannot compare any of the gods to the lord jesus christ so when we are talking to a people to anybody who is from a non christian background you got to really labor to make him understand who is the lord jesus christ even as we sit here in a very good atmosphere there are right now probably some in our country who are going through very severe difficulties and persecutions and they are they are being persecuted just because they are related to christ some people in other parts of the world they are being burnt alive recently there was a photo on the on the whatsapp i don't know if it is true or not if it is then it should really trouble our hearts 375 people burnt together the charred bodies lying around and here we are comfortable we are alive everything is easy for us and yet we would not want to talk about the lord jesus christ if that is the condition then really we don't fit to be a disciple of the lord jesus so according to our subject hindrances to discipleship <clears throat> Uh, we'll first just quickly go through what william macdonald has written in his book and there are three things he writes in that portion luke chapter 9 verses 57 to 62 i think it is good if we read it and begin this session now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him lord i will follow you wherever you go luke 9 57 to 62 and jesus said to him foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head then he said to another follow me but he said lord let me first go and bury my father jesus said to him let the dead bury their own dead but you go and preach the kingdom of god another also said lord if you uh, lord i will follow you but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house 
But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Brother MacDonald has termed these three men in three different ways, Mr. Too Quick, Mr. Too Slow, and Mr. Too Easy. Now when we, when we consider 57, verse 57, as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. It seems to be that here is a person who probably is an emotional man. He is a man who takes spot decision. I feel from the words of the Lord Jesus that the Lord Jesus is revealing one thing is this man has a misconception of following the Lord Jesus. He does not know or he has not really had the opportunity to count the cost of following the Lord Jesus as a disciple. There are many people in Christianity today, some even in the believers group, they don't have exactly a right understanding what it is to follow the Lord Jesus. What it is to claim to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. What is the price you may have to pay? We have met many people like that in the course of the ministry. They thought that you know, coming to the church will solve their problems, physical problems, financial problems. So, that, brother, I will come. Some of them just thought that it is easy, you know, just to walk with Christ, just to, just to be involved in the ministry. It is not. A price has to be paid. Something has to be sacrificed. You are on the testing ground at all times. So the Lord is just telling him, shall we just read a couple of verses in connection to this? Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. You know, the Lord Jesus will never reject somebody without a reason. <clears throat> he will not, he should have actually encouraged him. He should have told him, wow, that's good. I am just looking for people like you who would come and say this. Come, 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 come follow me. But... The Lord didn't say that. So in 9, uh, Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8, can somebody read it for me? Now the Lord is talking about worship. The Lord is talking about how, how we deal with the Lord, what, what we say and what we do. And probably this is the man about whom the Lord had such an imp He knew this thing about him. So, he, so the Lord was just putting things to him, right? That, see, I am the master. You are going to follow me. And I have no place to lay down my head. So if you follow me, that is the situation in which you are going to be. Now, what I have noticed, at least among the evangelists, you see, slowly the evangelist forgets that he is the servant. Because we are loved, because we are respected, because we are taken care of, sometimes I may forget that I am the servant and I may behave as the master myself. One young evangelist came to my home when I was yet in Dunbar. And uh, it was the beginning of winter. So he came, we had a good talk. And then in the hall, we used to not keep anything because we used to worship there. So my wife brought two mattresses, made it as comfortable as we could, and then I told him that, uh, brother, you will be sleeping here. I hope you don't mind. So he said to me, ah, chalega. We'll do, brother, okay, I'll, I'll adjust. So I waited for ten minutes, then I said, why don't you come with me one minute? I took him to my room where me and my wife are sleeping. And the bed was put. There were two mats, two seats, and something to cover. I said, I am going to sleep here. You want to change the place? He went quietly outside. I said, you serve a master who was the king of the universe, the owner of everything, but he chose to empty himself, to become a servant, and to 
to go to any extent. In fact, he made himself a man of no reputation. If anyone here is thinking seriously that I am going to follow the Lord Jesus, let it not be a hasty decision. Let it not be an emotional decision. But because I love the Lord and because he did all this, I will willingly do, Lord. If you allow me to go through these things, I will do it. In fact, you know, now I feel a little troubled when people pamper me. I, went to, I go often to Bombay and I go to one family especially, a very loving family. And uh, he will not even allow me to carry one of my bags. Nay, nay, brother, nay, nay, brother, he'll take it, this and that. So one day I was there and he did so much for me. Then in the evening I told him, you know, brother, uh, my shoulders are paining. So he said, what happened, brother? He, he told his wife, have we got Wallony? Have we got a uh, move or something? He said, brother, what happened? Did you hurt? I said, nay, my shoulders are being pressed down with the weight of your hospitality. Brother, mere khande aapke aisaan se juk rahe hai, I told him. Now it is good to serve the men of God, help them, but please don't spoil them. Don't spoil them. I'm telling it seriously because it has an adverse effect in some people who forget why I am in the ministry, why I am following the Lord Jesus Christ. When we talk of the second man, Matthew chapter 9. Is it Matthew chapter? I pardon? Luke 9, sorry. And over here, again, you know, it would surprise us. 59. Then he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Lord uh, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now sometimes it is difficult to understand how the Lord dealt with people, especially when we are in the, in the initial stages of our, of our uh, believer's life, our Christian life. Now there can be two meanings to what the man said. The Lord said, follow me. He says, my father, let me go and bury my father. So the first thing is, he is literally dead. Okay? Then my question is, if your father is literally dead, what are you doing on the road? Where should he have been? He should have been at home. He should have finished that and then rushed to wherever the Lord Jesus Christ is. If he has a desire to listen and see and know who is this Jesus of Nazareth. Now the second thing is, Probably his father is not dead, but on the deathbed. Bed. He's going through a very difficult time. So he's telling, Lord, I will come to thee, but let me first go and bury the dead. Bury my father. To that, we have to think about what we were thinking yesterday. Satan attacks those who want to be followers of Christ in two ways, we said. The first was in our faith, in our belief. How can I follow a master who cannot take care of the needs of my house? Whether my father will survive or not. Do you remember the occasion when the Lord Jesus Christ went to Peter's home? They came and told him that the mother-in-law is not well. He went, he healed her. And she came and waited upon him. She served him. So may the Lord help us. Now the Lord is revealing here that either this man is not actually fulfilling his physical uh, responsibilities, so it is very, uh, very, very less chance that he will really follow the Lord Jesus. Now when we come to the third case, that is Mr. Slow. You see, if I think... That there is a situation only I can handle, that the Lord cannot help me. See, sometimes we will be put to this testing experiences of life. I remember an occasion, there was a meeting held in Bombay by GLS, Gospel Literature Service. At that time, they had called one representative from every state of India. And uh, for some reason, they called me from Bihar. So, it was... This information was given four to five months prior to the meeting. And I, I prepared myself and I set out from home. I had to come to a certain place and from there I could take a train to Bombay. 
I came to that place. The moment I, I reached that house and I rang the bell, the brother opened the door and he said, Brother, we have been waiting for you. Then his wife came along and she, she placed a small piece of paper in my hand. It was a telegram. A telegram which came from my, elder, from my children's boarding school. My elder daughter has developed some sort of a problem with her back and she cannot even sit to write the exam. So the telegram says, come immediately, take your daughter for treatment. So I saw it, I sat down, they served me breakfast and I'm just thinking and just praying, Lord, what shall I do? And, I, and these people have already made all the arrangements. They just want me to go with them. They have got somebody in the railway station. Uh, a ticket will be booked, 4 o'clock. I can, I can catch the train and I can go with them. As I was praying, the Lord told me, go for the meeting and proceed to the school. When I thought about it, I was very clear that if I rush to the school, my daughter is not going to be healed only because I give that uh, priority. So as we were having breakfast, my mind was made up. And uh, then they said, okay, brother, so what are we going to do? Shall we go? I said, no, brother, we won't go. Uh, you are not going to your daughter? I said, I will go, but not now. I'll go to Bombay. It's a one-day program, and I'll uh, continue my journey from there. So they asked me, you know, in other words, they said, don't you love your daughter? Discipleship is not easy. You obey, you're misunderstood. You don't obey, you're not walking as God wants you to do. I don't know if there is somebody here who has been in a similar situation. I said, don't worry, brother. I was reminded my, my daughter has two fathers. I'm the physical one. He's the spiritual one. I cannot reach to her now. He has already reached there. He's handling the situation. Discipleship is putting our, our faith in action. Discipleship is working out the songs that we sing. When we come to the third person, 61 and 62, and another also said, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Mr. Too Easy, that's what William MacDonald calls him. He's a person whose, whose commitment is not wholehearted. He's saying, Lord, I will come with you. I will follow you. I just want to go and and do this. See, the impression is, I can follow you when I want, I can do my things when I want. That is not the type of following that Lord Jesus Christ expects from you and me. So brother, are you telling me to give up my job? Are you telling me to do this, telling me to do that? You don't have to give up anything, just do one thing, make yourself available unto the Lord without conditions. If he is going to ask you to come to him when you are free, you are already there. And if at any time you have to sacrifice something, you have to take a risk, let it not make you to hesitate. He knows your situation better than you do. He will handle everything. He has been handling things of hundreds and hundreds of people simultaneously all over the world for the last 2000 plus years. Nothing, no situation is new for him. Don't worry about your boss. His mind in the, is in the hands of our God. So here are these three things. I have just gone through it very quickly. So what am I going to do now? There are some other things which I learned and noticed as I min went about the ministry, which can be a great hindrance to be a disciple of Christ, to follow the Lord, to continue in the ministry. The simple things... Many times we overlook them, we don't understand, and there are many people who are, who are entangled in these things. The first one, I would like to take your attention actually to the Old Testament, Numbers 13 and verse 33. 
numbers 13 and verse 33 anybody gets it please read Now here we know that the spies were sent, they saw, and they saw many things which encouraged them. It was exactly as the Lord said. But along with that, it is written, they saw the, they saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants, and we, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. What do we learn here? Thinking of yourself smaller than you actually are, underestimating yourself, is a great hindrance to walk with the Lord, to walk for the Lord, and to do anything for the glory of God. I've come across many people who don't want to come in front at all. You know, some of us are too shy, some of us are afraid. We, we are all here and uh, we, had a, we had a meeting in in Bihar, 99, in 1999, the first believers conference in Bihar. There were not many people, about maybe 200 people maximum. And so on the second session of the first day, I was there and I thanked the speaker and I just pointed out, I said, brother, can you please uh, stand up and end this session with a word of prayer. So he looked at me with a shocked look and he said, I said, come on, brother, just thank the Lord and sit down. Three, four times I said he didn't do it. Then not to embarrass him and make an issue, I asked somebody, he got up, he thanked the Lord and committed ourselves according to the word of God and it's finished and we went for tea or lunch, I don't remember. And this brother, he came across me and I said, brother, what happened? He said, no, no, brother, see, I cannot uh, pray in Hindi. I said, did I say pray in Hindi? You could have prayed in any language because God knows all languages. So, no, 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 uh, brother, I cannot do it. I just cannot do it. I said, okay, brother, I'll pray for you, but you got to mature. You got to just come out. Now, who is this man? He's a man who is doing business in Bihar for the last 20 years. How, do he, how does he deal with his customers? He deals in Hindi. He sells in his things in Hindi. You go to the best of shops in Bihar and you will have to face, uh, what is it called? They bargain with you. No matter what, if you have put a big board, fixed price, nothing, they will bargain. And this man convinces every customer that he cannot go down. The only thing he cannot do is stand in a congregation and give thanks to the Lord. Why? He thinks, I cannot do it. Now, many people have not heard about the Lord Jesus Christ because some believers thought, I cannot do it. Let me take you to two very familiar verses. Jeremiah 1.6. Now, Moses said the same thing. Many people in church history have hesitated, have not gone ahead, just because they said, Lord, I cannot do it. You know, brother, I, I, I never went to a theological college. Well, I would tell him I have not seen the door of a theological college. It doesn't matter. Long time back, I learned a very important lesson in walking with the Lord or for the Lord. The lesson was this, somebody told me, David, remember one thing. God never wants your ability. He wants your availability. You are not called. You are not chosen. God is not using you because you are an able person. He is using you because you are, able, you are available for him. If you are available, no matter what you lack, God will fill you with it. So being available, not thinking yourself smaller than you actually are. Well, the matter of fact is, we are who are we? We are nothing. Without Christ, we are nothing. No matter what position we have and what family we belong to, we are nothing. But because we are in Christ, now to say that I am nothing is actually insulting the choice of God. Is, you know, 
hindering the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. So I hope there is nobody here who is not doing something for the Lord because you think that I cannot do it. You cannot do it alone. Why don't you do it with Christ? You can do anything and everything. Now the opposite of this we read in Romans 12 and verse 3. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Now the second thing, which is exactly the opposite side of the coin of what we have considered, there are many people who are not able to follow the Lord and do something for the Lord because they say, Lord, I cannot do it. I've never done it. The second thing is to think of yourself more highly, to be filled with pride and to think that I can do even if God is not leading me to do it. I have seen many people who have risen among the company of the saints. They came to the Lord. They were so humble. They were so obedient. And they were all out for the Lord. Anything to do for the Lord was not too hard. It was not too dirty. They were always there. They were a men of prayer. And, and what happens when God finds somebody like this? Who is reading the word of God? Obeying the word of God, who is always available to, for Christ, what will God do to that person? What will God do to such a person? What, supposing there is a person who comes to the faith, always in baptism, regular for all the meetings, very obedient, trying to do everything that the Bible says, what will God do to that person? Be beg your pardon? Test him right in the beginning? What I saw God doing with me is he started blessing me. He delighted in the fact when there, when there are millions who don't want to touch the Bible, I would take a small lamp because we did not have electricity connection in our house and I would be reading till 2 o'clock in the night and it pleased the Lord. He started blessing me. I started giving what I have and what I don't have to the Lord. And it pleased the Lord and he started blessing me. So when we are blessed, we grow. We become noticed. We are invited. We are used by the Lord. And that is the time when Satan tries to puff us up. And with our human nature, it is, you know, we help him. And we are filled with this pride. And that is the time that we get disqualified to walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Who was the founder of the prison ministries? Uh, Charles Colson, is that the right name? Yeah. I was reading a book. And uh, I read this thing which has really impressed my heart. What happened is, you know, Charles Colson was saved in the prison. And he saw in that six months period, he saw the terrible condition in which the prisoners live. What they have to go through. What are the dangers over there? When he came out, he could not get it out of his mind. And he started a ministry, especially for the prisoners. And they went and then God blessed him. And with his, his profile, with who he was, he was welcomed. And the, the ministry uh, increased. And he went across nations. And in one of such trips, he went to a country which actually is... You know, it's a, it's a sort of a communist country. It's a country where you cannot preach the gospel. It's a country you cannot carry a Bible. You will be shot dead. Your whole family may lose its life. So he was invited there and a meeting was arranged in secret. It was an underground meeting. People came and probably they parked their cars one kilometer away, walked the distance, came over there. The meeting is there. There is a good crowd. And Charles... When he was invited to the stage, he started speaking and he started presenting the Lord Jesus Christ. After 15 or 20 minutes, half an hour, he noticed that the crowd is indifferent. Now, I like to speak when you shake your head, when you nod your head, when there is a smile or something like that. It encourages the, the speaker. Isn't it, brother? Yeah, thank you. But what Charles notices, they are all sitting with a stony expression. No smile, no frown, no shaking out. They are, they are just looking at him. So he got discouraged and he said, it's not working out. He said to himself. So instead of his normal one, one hour and more 
the time he used to take for the message, what he did is, he wound it up in 45 minutes. He presented Christ, and he wound it up, and with a heavy heart thinking that so much risk, so much expenditure, and time we, we invested, and nothing is working out. As he turned to go back, he heard a sound. The sound was, he just turned, and he saw one elderly man standing and clapping. And as he was clapping, another one stood. And in moments, the whole congregation stood up. And they started clapping with such vigor. And, sudden, and uh, Charles says, Oh, my excitement suddenly ballooned up. I was so glad. I thought, Charles, you have done it. It is at that time that one of the senior members of their team, he came from behind, tapped Charles and said, Charles, Satan is sitting on your head. So he turned around and he saw and said, what is... And then he kept quiet. He said, when I realized what my brother said, it was like a pin pricking a balloon. Everything gone out. And then he said, after a moment I was compelled to start clapping with them. Because I understood they are not clapping for Charles Colson. They are clapping for the man who was willing to come down from heaven. Clapping to the man who knew what he had to suffer and was willing to die for people who did not even want to hear about him. And then he started clapping and it was a glorious time. Many people came to the Lord. Brothers, sisters, if you are doing something for the Lord, don't be mistaken thinking that it is because of you something is happening. Nothing is happening. When we are on our own, we cannot do anything. We had gone to a village, we had gone for outreach ministry, YMEF team. It was in Bihar. I had the opportunity of joining them at least 20 times or more. So as I was invited, uh, there was one brother in our assembly, and I wanted to encourage him in the gospel work. So I told him, brother, why don't you come with me? He agreed, and we went. And he saw, after two or three days, he told me, while having dinner at night, he said, brother... This is a very difficult work. Well, brother. He said, yes, yes. So after uh, four or five villages, we came to a small village where there was a crowd about 40 people. So he also came near me. I said, what? He said, brother, I said, fine. So we sang two songs. And then I said, Amare beach mein ek bhai hai. I say, I say, Jagay say, or Ajapko Batayaga, Kiapke Jivan may subsidy Jerurat Kai. So he took the mic. And he said, Bayo or Beno, Amlok Bade Dur say, or Apko Batana Chate, hey, key. Apko Batana Chate, hey, key. And then he choked. And his hand started shivering. Because I was close to him, I put my arm around him. He whispered, Brother, I can't do it. I said, Fine. I took it from him. I said, brother, ko thoda, humare bhai sahab ko taklif hai. Bol nahi paara hai, shayad hindi ka abao hai. Then I continued the message. And then after the message is over, and we had done the track distribution, I went quickly inside the jeep. And there he was with his head bowed down. I told him, brother, are you okay? He said, brother, I'm sorry. I thought it was easy. It is not. Sharing the gospel is not easy if you are doing it on your own power. You may know the whole Bible and it may not work out. But go with Christ. Go for Christ. Go in the spirit of the Holy Spirit as our brother was reminding us in the morning. And whether you know something or not, the words will flow because the Lord will speak through us for his own glory. Shall we come to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10? Already mentioned by Johnny, our brother Johnny Vergis in the morning. But it's something that I think we got to read and just meditate for a little time. <clears throat> Somebody can read that verse for me. Second Timothy 4.10 Paul says, 
Be diligent, be diligent to come to me quickly, 9 and 10, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So what if Demas left Paul and went? It, that was not the issue. The issue was, Demas let, left the work of the Lord. And why did he leave it? Because he got attracted and entangled in the things of the world, having loved the present world. We all know this, that we should not get entangled in the things of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ has made it very clear, we are in the world, but not of the world. Yes, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We cannot live like the world lives, that's what we were reminded in the morning. Sad to say, the church is today not an example to the world around us. Sad to say this. There was a time when the church had respect even among unbelievers. I remember when I came in the 90s to Bihar, I used to go many times to that Duncan hospital on the border of India and Nepal. And usually there used to be a checking on the way back from Nepal to Muzaffarpur. It has happened more than once. I am sitting there, my briefcase is on top. And they come, five, six of them, and very heavy checking going on. They, they come to my briefcase. Kiska hai? I said, Mera hai, sir. Kya karte ho? Main Yeshu Masih ka prachar karta hoon. Chhod do usko. They went ahead. They did not ask me to open it. Why? They, they know that people who believe in Christ do not indulge in un- un- unwanted things. Thank God for that. But is it true now? You see, most of the time, unless we are in the church, unless we are singing Christian songs, and unless, you know, people know who I am, it would be difficult for people to point out in a crowd who is a believer and who is not. Most of, I liked that skit yesterday. Little bit, what was that? The two daughters and the father? The father was sitting somewhere here in front. Ah, he is that, okay. Little bit. Now we have become tolerant to those things which were not at all allowed 15 years back. The elders today who are tolerating some of the things were strict about these things just two decades back. What happened? We love our, our grandchildren more than the word of God. Then the other thing is, you know, we are trying to please the world. My daughter started working in a pharmacy as soon as we came back from Goa because the pharmacy was managed by a brother who was a part of our assembly. Some of you know Joel and Jason. He was their father. So my daughter started working there. And after a few days, you know, they were all asking her, in Konkani they said, what you are dressing up like a Benji? You know Behenji? Wearing simple clothes, no style, wearing your churidar. Are this is the age of, come on, get out of it. And she said, I'm very happy to be like this because I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress him who died for me. I thank God for that. What is your identity? Do you have an identity? Are you one of the many in the world? Or are you somebody who will be noticed? They may laugh at you, but they will have to say, Oh, she, she's that believer man. I would rather be called like that. I would rather be called like that. I would rather be thrown out for the sake of Christ than to be embraced because I am identifying with them. I have noticed some believers... They are more comfortable when they are conversing with unbelievers than, with, than, than when they are with believers. I am not talking about sharing the gospel. We had a sister, a family, so we would go to her and uh, after 10 minutes, you know, she would start getting uneasy. Because we were talking about the Lord, we were talking about what they did, we were talking about the devotion. And, uh, you know, she was almost praying in her mind, Kab jayega? when will he go from here? That same lady, she is doing something and there is a... 
there's a sound on the main door outside. And she goes quickly to open it. And her neighbor also has come out. And they both stand leaning there. And she can talk for hours over there. Many topics are there. But talk to a believer. She has got nothing to talk about. Is there somebody in this crowd like this? Then you are falling in the trap of the things of this world. Shall we read one or two verses which we all know? But I think it is worth reading it. The most dangerous verse is James chapter 4 and verse 4. Now, <clears throat> I will just change for our comfort the first uh, three words. Believers and disciples, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? See how cunning Satan is. We were enemies of God. Unknowingly. God in his mercies sought us out. He bought us. He made us his very own children. Satan wants us to become the enemy of God. He knows we will never say that I don't believe in God. We will never you know, say something against the Lord Jesus Christ. He says don't say that. I've got another way. Get in love with the world. Get in love with the things of the world. Imitate the world. And automatically you become Automatically you become? Is there somebody who wants to be an enemy of God here? Please raise your hand. Nobody wants to become an enemy of God. Nobody in his right sense wants to be an enemy of God. But if you are falling in the trap of being entangled in the world, whether you like it, agree or not, you are on the, you are on the way of almost becoming an enemy of God. So Lord, help us. Help my family, help my children, help me. I will, set, I will set the example in my family, I will set the example in my church. Please, don't get entangled or don't be conformed to the world. It may be an easy way out, but that's not God's way. Third thing we will read is, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. What can be an hindrance as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ? What can hinder our walk? Can somebody read that for me? Hebrews 12 verse 1. Now this is a warning. This is a stern suggestion. This is an eye-opener. Let us lay aside that sin that easily besets us. I hope that you have overcome this situation and there is no sin that easily besets you. But there are many, many believers who are struggling with this issue. They are leaving it, they are catching it back. They are leaving it, they are catching it back. It has been going for months, in some cases for years. Therefore, that person cannot be an effective disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indulgence in any form of sin will disqualify me from following the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, brother, why are you telling us? Aren't we all believers? Yeah, we are believers. But we too can sin. We don't like to talk about sin. In a certain place, uh, there was an institution where it took care of the blind people. So anybody coming there, they would say, Unko andha mat bolna, netraheen bolna. Don't say blind, say visually handicapped. Whatever you say, the darkness in the, is the same inside. It doesn't change that person. It doesn't make it lighter and easy for that person. Now the church that stops calling sin as sin has lost its calling. When a father stops telling his children that this is a sin, you are going the wrong way, you are not helping your children. If I love my children, I must warn them what they are 
what they can fall into if they are indulging in any type of sin. I go to many houses and in many places I've seen that, see, a laptop is very common now. But it was the, what is it called? Yeah, desktop. Desktop was more, more common previously. And I saw in many houses that this desktop, this computer is there. And it is many times, some of the times, you know, the parents don't know anything about the computer. The children know everything. Or even if they know, they know very less. They don't know that by a click of a button, you can just shut down one channel. So what the children do is, some children, not all children, what they do, they sit with the computer in such a place that only he can see the screen. Nobody else. Have you ever thought about it? Why it is done like that? Tell them to keep the screen in a place where anybody can see it all the time. Once or twice I came, I was outside. I wanted to say something urgent home. I called my son. The phone is ringing, ringing, ringing. He's not picking it up. Called my daughter. She's also not picking it up. It happened rarely, but it happened. I came back home and I was very angry with them. I said, what, what's the matter? Is your phone not working? Is the battery down? He said, what happened, daddy? I said, I was calling you, man. So, so he said, oh. And he, he saw, yeah, there are so many calls. So what happened? It was on silent. I said, why? Why do you have to keep your phone on silent mode at home? Of whom are you afraid and of what are you afraid? That is my question to my children. I told them that day. If I ever find your mobile on silent, I'm going to throw it out. I don't care a damn what it cost you. And I said you can do the same with me also, my phone. Unless I've gone to a meeting, I put it on silent mode and I have forgotten to put it back on the normal mode. You are welcome. You can come and ask daddy, why is your mobile on silent? In many places, this is the norm of the family. Whom are you talking to? No, mommy, it's a friend. Ten o'clock in the night, it's a friend. Now, there's a family in India had a very bitter experience. Why? Don't worry, brethren, I know the time. Uh, why are they, you know, why are they so concerned, anxious? Why did they have to go through this bitter experience? The experience was the daughter refused many proposals. When finally, well-fishers and others came and said, you must get married. Why you don't want to get married? She revealed that she was in an affair with an unbeliever. It was an upsetting thing. Mother all, her, her mother all, almost went into a depression. Who is to blame? Of course, the girl. But I would blame the parents because I know them. And I used to sometimes stay in their house. The, the girl, her job finishes at 6 o'clock. In half an hour, she can reach home. She came in front of me at 10. And we are waiting. I was given my dinner. And she walks inside. And daddy says, what happened better? Why are you so late? Oh, I was just out with a friend. He did not even inquire who that friend was. Loving our children is good. Helping them to do wrong things is not what God expects us. If you love him, it is better to scold, it is better to put, you know, boundaries than to cry tomorrow. And especially if you are in the ministry, no indulgence in sin. Let us pray. Let us not help each other. If the wife knows about what the husband is doing, maybe you have to wait, maybe you have to pray, but seek a time from the Lord and tell your husband that you are doing wrong. It is disturbing my peace. I cannot worship in the assembly with you. I am keeping quiet because I love you. But if you cross the limit, I will tell somebody in the assembly. And vice versa. Indulgence in sin will not help us to go ahead at any cost. It will bring us back to where we started maybe 20 years back. Finally, one more thing and I wind up. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. We have been thinking about these things. I am just reminding you as the Spirit has laid it on my heart. The law of 
love of money is a great hindrance to walking with the Lord. Walking, following the Lord. Have you met any, anybody, believer or unbeliever, who loves money? It's not bad to try to earn little more. But really loving money. You know, we had one, one evangelist. I won't tell you where. And uh, I've never met a person like him who was so in love with money. You know, you, would, you could kill him and he would not give you a penny. So once he was very sick, very sick. And we were uh, praying for him. Somebody came and said, brother, what will we do? Brother is in a very... Very critical condition. I said, don't worry, we have been praying. So when he was not understanding what he was saying, I said, don't worry, even if he goes in a coma or something like that, I have got a way in which I can bring him back to his senses in a moment. He said, Kaise? How? I said, you have to give me 10 one rupee coins. I will stand close to his ear and drop each one. Before the fourth one falls, he's bound to get up. Love for money. Do you know some people have ruined their ministry because of the love of money? I was shocked to hear that somebody in North India, where he was serving, there was a, a very big uh, church, a Catholic church. The father, the priest of that church, and this man had same initials, same names. What happened is, sometime back, some lakhs of money, which was sent to that person, was by mistake... Uh, you know, it, was, it went into this man's account, a servant of God. He went over there and he was shocked to see this very big amount. And he knew what would have happened. But the, you know, the, the pull of money was so much, he kept quiet. And in a short time, he removed half of the money. He used it. The people from Switzerland who sent that money to the original church, they asked the priest, why are you not responding? Did you get our money or not? He said, what money? I didn't get anything. They said, but we have proof from the bank that the money has been withdrawn, some of that money. So he went to the bank and then they came to know what has happened. This priest was very gracious. He went to the home of this so-called evangelist and he told him, I know that you have done this. I don't want to expose you for the sake of the other believers in your church. Kindly replace the money. Many have told lies. Many stand on the pulpit and keep on telling of all their troubles, all their problems, just because to gain a little money. Oh, may the Lord help us. We don't want anything that will create any sort of a distance between me and my Lord. So let us take heed. There may be many other things also which are hindrance to the ministry, to being a disciple. Let us walk faithfully after the Master. May his name be glorified.